Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. This is an apostrophe podcast production. Here's one little question that has no simple answer. How does being alone bring us closer? My name is Peg Fong. I'm a journalist and an educator. Come join me as we explore loneliness together. At the moment of takeoff, paragliders begin their ascent into a specific and special loneliness. Unlike bungee jumping or skydiving, in paragliding, you start from the ground and then work your way up higher. There's no deep plunge, no sudden drop. Gravity wants you down, but cables pull your climb upwards. You're lifted off the ground by the wind and your curved wing. As you rise thousands of feet above the ground, engineered fabric above you keeps you from being alone with the sky. Just before they take off, a paraglider is told to think of themselves as an airplane and reach a certain predetermined airspeed before they can lift, animate and become like a machine, something not human, not quite a bird. You're in between the familiar and possibilities, depended only upon your ability to navigate and negotiate with the wind. A reserve parachute deployed under emergency or imminent crash landing keeps you from plummeting back to certain injury or possible death. Instead, you glide down, descend, and land on your own feet back on familiar land. The South Korean series Crash Landing on You was watched by millions of viewers on Netflix in the height of the pandemic in 2020. 
the 16-part romantic comedy and drama was a critical and mass-cultural hit. It was named one of the best international shows for 2020 by Variety magazine. Its success is global. Al Jazeera reviewed the series, calling it Romeo and Juliet set in contemporary geopolitics. In China, 500 million viewers watched the last episode. The plot involves a South Korean heiress who paraglides and crash lands during a freak windstorm across the border into North Korea. She is found by a North Korean soldier. Seventy years ago, on June 25, 1950, North Korean troops invaded South Korea after weeks of conflicts at the border. North Korea, backed by China and the Soviet Union, wanted to reunite the two countries that had been divided due to the Second World War. The U.S. and the U.N. resisted. The war dragged on for three years before an armistice was called and divided the Koreas into North and the South at the 38th parallel. Isolated from other countries except China, North Korea has been called one of the loneliest places in the world. That loneliness is shared with a country that it doesn't have much in common with any longer. The two countries, separated now by three generations, have evolved in very different ways. The language is different, their customs, their beliefs in community, and even what loneliness is. South Korea was one of the poorest countries in the world when North Korea invaded in 1950. But its ascent from the ground up lifted the country into the stratosphere as one of the richest, most technologically advanced countries in the world and loneliest. Let's take off from familiar terrain and crash land on loneliness together in the Hermit Kingdom. Imagine being separated by a border from the people who were once your family. The line stays put, but the divisions deepen. On one side, you are the most digitally advanced country in the world. South Koreans are the highest users of mobile phones on the planet. On the other side, in the north, one of the largest militaries in the world and most secretive. Its nuclear capabilities is known. The country most recently tested in early 2021, its latest and greatest missile, just before the inauguration of U.S. President Joe Biden, with the North Korean leader Kim Jong-un vowing to expand the country's nuclear and military powers. Much of its arsenal is right at the border aimed at Seoul, the capital of South Korea, 60 kilometers away. The two countries were once one, and the competition between the North and the South has been reshaped. It's a loneliness that's 70 years in the making. Is it lonelier to be isolated from the rest of the world? Or is the place where everyone is connected and has the ability to stay in touch with technology and mobiles, but no one does, the lonelier place? In 2018, the leaders of North Korea and South Korea met twice, once on each side of the border. It was a softening of what had been at times a very hard line. I think from that time on, 
in this decade anyway, became more permissible and okay to think of North Korea as a friend and as part of long-lost family. In recent years, the South Korean government has been encouraging more shows like Crash Landing on You, which shows the potential for reunification. But despite that, the two countries are separated by more than political ideology, says researcher and journalist Crystal Tai. Till this day, remain divided countries with completely different dialects, different cultural movements. They, they wear different clothes. Uh, a lot of the societal norms are quite different as well. And it's interesting because ethnically, they both agree that they're the same people, but because of political ideology, the two uh, remain at odds. As in Germany, if there is just one Korea one day, it will be the North becoming like the South. West Germany remained what it was, and East Germany became like it, democratic and capitalistic. South Korea and those hoping for reunification imagine the North will be absorbed the same way as the two Germanys were before the Berlin Wall came down. Talk of reunification between North and South Korea fluctuates depending on geopolitics and the relationship they have with the two major superpowers in the region, China and the U.S. The traditional portrayal of North Korea in the West in movies and popular culture is of a militaristic society and faceless. In the series Crash Landing on You, North Korea was shown at times as an almost idyllic way of living, that just across the 38th parallel would seem like time travel, not just a paraglide away. The lone South Korean character is estranged from her family. She lives and eats alone. When she crash lands, she is exposed to villagers in the North, making kimchi as a group and communally washing their cabbage in the sea. Back in the West, she eats at Michelin-starred restaurants and brags about consuming meat twice a day, but is so picky that she only takes three bites at the most. In North Korea, her appetite grows as she lives among the villagers. They catch fish and clams and cook them slowly on outdoor barbecues, using cobra cats and leaves and weeds for fuel. The South Korean character needs scented candles and turns on lights everywhere because she's afraid of the darkness. Power outages in the village where she's hiding and the capital city in the north, Pyongyang, cast those places into pitch black. The sense of belonging that Eris finds in the north gives her purpose that she didn't have before back home in Seoul. Her loneliness disappears when she's forced to be part of a community that's portrayed as completely alien to what she knows. North Korea is not an idyllic spot. Homelessness, hunger, a very few live well. In the South, the same. Starvation, isolation, and the few very wealthy live very well. It is a relationship of of huge complexity because North and South Korea have been in competition with one another for over seven decades, trying to have to demonstrate that one model is, is more successful than the other, that one is more legitimate than the other. Professor Sarah Son teaches Korean studies at the University of Sheffield's East Asian Department. 
both Koreas claim to be the sort of ruling authority over the entire peninsula. So that, that complicates things. Then you have sort of the sadness of a separation, a division that was imposed on them by outside forces at a time when they just weren't in a position to be able to sort of make these decisions for themselves. It was sort of a, a Cold War era decision on the part of the US and the Soviet Union. And you have very personal sort of sorrow about simple facts like the fact that, you know, you have living members on both sides of the divide who are family members who can't meet one another. There is the big political and geographical divide and an entrenched fear of invasion in the south by the military and missiles aimed at it from the north and in the north by the more subtle but pervasive invasion of westernized culture the global phenomenon of K-pop music and dramas like Crash Landing on You. Borders are political, and in some places, physical. It is a break between one place and another. This is not a border. It's just a break. We'll be right back. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Before the 38th parallel became a chasm dividing a country, and before the constant fears of being subsumed by the other, Korea faced the threat of invasion by others, external threats. 
in the 19th century before the word Korea became the name of a country, and there wasn't a north nor a south, the country was known as Joseon, a kingdom that resisted influence from outsiders. It was outsiders who gave the country the name the Hermit Kingdom. Where it um, actually had a policy of isolationism. This was a time when Western powers, individuals, missionaries, merchants were coming into East Asia. And while China and Japan were quite open to engaging with foreigners kind of showing up on their shores, Korea wasn't as keen. It sort of lagged behind China and Japan in terms of its willingness to open up to foreigners. The Hermit Kingdom couldn't hold off invasion. It underwent a stressful period of colonization under Japan for 35 years until the end of the Second World War. It then became a Cold War battleground. The term Kermit Kingdom now applies to the North. As we then emerged from the Cold War in the early 90s, it was quickly becoming clear to the rest of the world that North Korea wasn't going to fall as nations in Eastern Europe had done. It was hanging on, as it were, and the sort of mystery, the the impenetrability of North Korea at that time, sort of post-Cold War uh, period, made it um, very easy, I think, to sort of look on it as a, a kind of, you know, a hermit country, a hermit kingdom, rather. The isolation of the North was given a rosy, charming portrayal in the South Korean series, Crash Landing on You. The purpose was to demonstrate, in some ways, a sense of nostalgia. It provided a sort of heartwarming reminder of some of those things that have been lost in many parts of South Korea. Not all, but areas of community life that are highly interdependent, where everyone knows everyone, but at the same time everyone cares about everyone else. Even in a North Korea where there is a high degree of suspicion and intercommunity surveillance. North Korean leaders try to block out for its residents any displays of westernized pop culture and consumerism. For many South Koreans, lost in loneliness, it's exactly that slow pace and remoteness they long to find. Outsiders named the country the Hermit Kingdom to mock its resistance to foreigners and its self-imposed isolationism. In South Korean society today, some insiders have given themselves another name to represent the isolation they feel. Hanjok. If North Korea seems stuck in time due to its isolation from outside influences, rapid changes in South Korea, from its country's wealth to its family structures, have created another type of loneliness. In the 1950s, South Korea was one of the poorest countries in the world. Now it is among the 15 richest. That has come at a cost. These were the people who honestly slaved away to to pull off the the miracle on the Han, which is sort of what South Korea's extraordinary economic development trajectory is called. But they didn't, you know, have pension funds. They didn't have savings put aside. After the split between the North and the South, South Koreans were encouraged by their political leaders to copy what happened in West Germany, the miracle on the Rhine, after East and the West were divided The miracle on the Han River was South Korea's rise from poverty, and in the process, family relationships were upended. Demographics shifted from rural to urban cities. In reaching the heights of rapid economic success, 
the paraglide that was South Korea took off like a jet, rising higher and higher until the ground that was familiar disappeared. The elderly were left behind in villages. Parents left their children behind to be raised by others to enable more time for them to work. Fathers who stayed in Korea while sending their children to overseas schools were called goose dads. They were the lucky ones compared to those working for lower pay. Goose dads could take a flight occasionally to see their family overseas. Poor families where the father couldn't afford to see their children, sometimes for years, were called penguin dads. They were grounded, unable to fly. Younger workers, overwhelmed by the tremendous competition to go to the best universities and find jobs in top companies, faced huge pressure to succeed. The velocity needed for enough airspeed to lift off dragged many people down, unable to ascend, even as South Korea rose. In 2006, The Globe and Mail, the newspaper I worked for, sent me to South Korea to do a series of stories about the country, its astronomical economic rise, and its growing pop cultural dominance in the region. In two separate occasions, during interviews with experts about the different topics I was covering, I was told that my face was so physically unappealing that the person felt compelled to mention it. The first time I heard it was from an academic on economic policies. I didn't follow up. I thought it was just unusual and figured it was a cultural misunderstanding. But it happened a second time, a day later, for a story about cell phone usage, a different interview with a different source. The embarrassed translator, Yu Min Kim, hesitantly translated again that the person wanted to tell me that I was unattractive. Now I was curious. The interview subject was eager to explain. I would never be considered appealing to someone in South Korea, she said, because she looked at my features and knew I was obviously from a mixed background. One of my parents was not Asian. That mixing of cultures, I learned, was not encouraged. But over the last decade, there's been a shift. Writer and researcher Christo Tai says the South Korean government is so alarmed by the reluctance of young people to marry and have children that they want more relationships between Koreans and non-Koreans. The government is encouraging Koreans these days to marry and start families with partners from Vietnam, China, and other countries like Pakistan. It's really hard to encourage multicultural marriages without encouraging multiculturalism, which is one of the biggest issues that South Korean society needs to to deal with. For two centuries, Korea was forced to evade invaders from the West and from Japan and China. It was occupied and had to follow other countries with their own political agenda. From the Cold War, a division with the North. To this day, South Korea has American military bases set up in their country. Now at a time when the government is encouraging South Korean men and women in their 20s and 30s to find matches and have more children, there's been another shift. Many South Koreans are turning inward, becoming a tribe of one, Hanjok. 
It's an emerging social movement that began being noticed around 2017, when increasingly young people in South Korea began choosing to be on their own. They left their jobs or gave up finding one. They decided to be Hanjuk, their own tribe of one. I think that what makes it very different from the individualism that we see in Western countries, however, is that South Korea is traditionally has been a very collectivistic or collectivist society. And so to see a departure from this, or rather a, a deviation from, from collectivism into individualism is, is really fascinating. It was a society where collectively everyone was encouraged to strive to be better, richer, more technologically advanced than their northern neighbors, once part of the family but now an enemy. That collectivism was needed in order to defend themselves, South Koreans were told. This movement of individualism is taking place due to several different reasons, including a sluggish economy and employment prospects, the lack of social mobility, and also increased awareness of women taking control and choosing to live on their own because it gives them greater agency. The empowerment women in particular are taking is a good thing, and Anne Babe, a long-form journalist who, like Crystal Tai, has written about Han Juk, says there are other factors that tell us even more about how loneliness has led people to become their own tribe of one. There are certain factors that push people, some people, to make this choice. They don't feel like they can get along in Korean society very well. They don't feel like they fit in. They don't feel like they're included. They don't feel like there are proper social support and welfare systems for them. And so in that way, they kind of just give up on society and make their own path. And in that way, you know, it can be very sad almost to think about what drives them toward this lifestyle. Loneliness is driven by many factors. In today's South Korea, it drove people to forego relationships, to drift apart from demanding parents, to abandon a relentless workplace that turns constantly to prove that South Korea is a better system than the North. A lot of the things that Korea chose to do during the 80s, when it was pushing for development, the 70s and 80s, I should say, those decisions helped them in the immediate term become the global economic power it is today, but it has caught up with them in terms of the impact on the people, the very human impact these things ended up having that I'm not sure anyone foresaw at that time. Flight. North Koreans who want to defect to the South have to take a circuitous route, often through China. As an ally of Kim Jong-un, China forcibly repatriates any North Korean defectors it captures. They face harsh punishment when they return. Those who do make it to South Korea often have to live with the guilt that the North Korean government will punish their relatives, friends, and family for having a defector in their circle. 
the North Korean people face the worst systematic uh, and, and chronic human rights violations in the world today. They live in the most closed, repressive society in the world today. I think we still hear too little of their stories and also not just the challenges that they face, but the progress, the change, um, the source of hope that they're able to make themselves over the last few years. So Kyo Park is the South Korea country director for the U.S.-based NGO Liberty in North Korea, LINK. Over the last decade, the group has helped thousands of North Koreans defect to South Korea. North Korean defectors face a different kind of loneliness than the ones in South Korea. For those who make the decision to leave, it can take months and years of planning. And in all that time, Park says they can never reveal their plans. Those who successfully make it to the South arrive with nothing. They cannot make calls back to relatives to let them know where they are. They cannot re-establish contact. We take it for granted that you can FaceTime with anyone in the world, right? We all have that device in our pockets now that we can do that, at least in developed countries. North Koreans, not only can they not FaceTime or a lot of the time not even make a phone call, but they may not have a single photo of their family their parents in North Korea or their friends. And so eventually, actually, some people say that they forget what the image, the mental image of their family goes fuzzy. That's, I think, impossible for me to imagine, to be honest, because I can't imagine not having any photos. But eventually, it would go like that. You forget people's faces. You may kind of forget the way people speak and those kind of things. There's no contact, nothing to remind you over the course of years and even decades. And so that, I think, is a truly unique loneliness. The disconnect North Koreans have when they defect from their country and all they know leaves them with a different kind of isolation. They're also disconnected from how to find a community, says Park, because in North Korea, community was always forced on them. You know, I'm not an expert on loneliness, but I think that partially it is a it's a disease of prosperous, economically developed societies, right? And that seems to be fairly universal with industrial development, with economic development, with urbanization and mobility, social and geographical mobility. In urban life, like in Seoul, where he lives, Park says North Korean defectors tell him that there's often the perception it's other people who are threats or competition. It is a generational perception as well. When South Korea as a society was poorer, before the mass levels of urbanization and mobility, people lived in more traditional communities. For North Koreans who now live in South Korea, they lose the forced socialization that the government imposes. When they were younger, they had to belong to regimented youth organizations. In their communities, there were weekly gatherings for political sessions. People are encouraged to report on each other. Too many people are in your business. You know, so much gossip and kind of, you know, also like forms of competition amongst people, jealousy, some of those things. So some people, you know, find some aspects of that frustrating, but I guess there is still aspects of warmth and community and you know, at least relationships and not loneliness. 
there are structures in the North Korean society that force people to come together, and those things become a locus and space for community. So North Koreans live with that their whole lives, with this kind of organized and forced community. When people then come to South Korea, when one aspect of freedom and democracy and the government not being everywhere and trying to control everything is that nobody's telling you to do those kind of things and nobody's kind of providing it for you as a must-have kind of thing. North Koreans have to learn when they leave all they know how to become part of something new. It has some familiarity, but it's still foreign, strange. There is no community they are forced to belong to. A new isolation begins with the ending of another kind. When community is forced on you, it's constraining, suffocating, lonely. A country that forces its citizens to isolate from outsiders uses intimidation and surveillance to send the message, trust no one on the outside, and within, be wary and cautious of even those you know because everyone is watching everyone else. A country that isolates from the outside and mistrusts everyone on the inside can dictate that everyone participates, but no one dares to connect. That creates its own loneliness. Nearby but far away, another country, one that has lived under the threat of invasion, directs its focus on building up its industries and getting people to be industrious for the sake of the country. But what is sometimes not considered is the human toll of lifting an economy and a country off the ground. You can put a cell phone in the hand of every single person in a nation, but connections are more than just sending or receiving messages. Worrying about threat and invasion from the outside can ward off the dangers that come from the other side of the line on the 38th parallel. But it won't stop the descent that happens when a society forgets those who are most lonely, most alone. Those who lose their faith in their community become a tribe of one. Honjuk. To take off in flight is to begin almost immediately looking for a place to land. Borders mean little when you're on your way down. The only ground that matters is the one where you can crash land safely on your own. We may be alone, but we are alone together. Alone Together was directed by Callie O'Reilly. Sound engineer, Jeff Devine. Music by Ian Lefevre and Ari Posner. Our producers are Guillermo Serrano and Debbie O'Reilly. I'm Peg Fong, the host and writer. Let's not be divided by borders. Glide into our social media to connect at apostrophe pod. And please rate and review our show. This series is executive produced by Terry O'Reilly. the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.